Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Now, today we have Ines... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> okay, let's try this. And Now, everyone knows that I suck at name pronunciation, so we're going to try this. Uh, today we have Ines... Newman? Yeah. Right? About that. Oh, uh, okay. Let me let me have the pronunciation because I can't do shit right. It's uh, Neumann, but Neumann. Damn it! Oh. <laughs> I was so close. I I pushed too hard for the English version. Don't of don't, it. don't stress out. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's okay. I'm terrible. Uh, and Jens Bar, which I I believe I got that one right. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. All right. At least one for one for two. All right. So these are two of the developers behind the upcoming title known as The Cost of Recovery. Thank you for joining you too. Thank you for having us. It's Thanks. awesome to be here. I'm so glad you guys are because uh, you both reached out because the game, um, you know, it's, it's upcoming. It's got uh, a very interesting theme to it that you don't see in a lot of games. And it does look quite interesting. I, I am very eager to get more. But before we dive into the game itself, let's talk about the people who are creating it. So why don't we start off uh, for both of you? I'd like to know a little bit of your background, a little bit of how you got into the industry. Um, and I know this always becomes a little awkward with two people, but let's start with Jens. Uh, and why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to working on the cost of recovery? All right. Um, so hi, I'm, I'm Jens. Uh... I am the lead developer and also game designer on the game. And um, I don't really know how I got to making games. It's always it's something that I've always been dreaming about. Like even when I was a small child, I was uh, noting down ideas for video games I'd want to make. Um, and then during high school, I uh, started programming my own video games. So it kind of developed into this uh, thing that I did. Um, during, during school and also during my studies. Um, I studied uh, computer science, um, but I was always focusing more on the games that I was programming uh, on the side than on my studies themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, two years ago, I uh, started this company and uh, had the hopes of creating this uh, game, The Cost of Recovery. Um, so I gathered a team around me and I'm happy to have an awesome team now, and we've been working on it ever since. Very cool, very cool. And Ines, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, journey? Okay, yeah, my journey is uh, not as not as straight as the ones of Jens, I guess, um, because <laughs> I'm actually still a student and I'm studying sociolo sociology and political science, wow. and I'm working at Off the Beaten Track as a student trainee, so not full-time, at least not yet. We see how mm. that works out. But um, 
games have always been an important part of my life, but for the longest time I thought, well, I studied something totally different, so I can't get into that industry. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, I think, I worked at the Gamescom at, for the first time as a games presenter mm-hmm. at um, mm-hmm. the indie booth of a large large gaming company. And um, <laughs> there I first yeah, really got in touch with indie games and with a lot of developers and publishers and yeah, really felt A, the love for the games and B, I, 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 for the first time I saw that marketing the games is also an very, very important part of the business. Right. You know, I always thought, yeah, I need to be programming or doing art or something like that to work in the games industry. But um, of course, there's there's a lot more behind it. And right. then last year, I joined um, a course here in Kiel, a game development course that was led by Jens. And mm-hmm. that's where we got to meet each other. And um, a little later, he asked me if I wanted to be part of the team. And now I'm... Yeah, working in marketing for the game, which means social media management, um, stuff like that, com- uh, community management. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't really think about it, but the, you know that discoverability aspect of the game is, in some cases, uh, I would argue, a little bit even more important because a game can be the greatest game ever, but if no one finds it or no one knows about it, then what does it matter, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a brave choice that Jens did. I think a lot of indie teams still think um, I can't spend any budget on that, and then in the end, like two weeks prior release, you notice oh no one knows about my game, right. and um, so yeah, I think it's it's an it's an important choice to have someone to market your game. I, I 100% agree, and hey, that's one of the reasons why you're here, right? That's why yeah. we're, we're marketing the game, we're talking about it. So, so let's dive into it, all right? The cost of recovery. For those who don't know anything about this game, how would you describe it, and why should an audience be excited for it? So um, the cost of recovery is a third-person narrative adventure game. <laughs> that's uh, the one-sentence description of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the course of the game, uh, we really focus on telling the story of a, a family whose nine-year-old son suffers a stroke. Um, so it's a very uh, serious topic that we are exploring. And um, throughout the game, we um, take on the perspectives of the different family members um, to see and experience how they go through this time in their lives and what their different perspectives might be. Um, so, for example, what struggles uh, the mother has to go through um, opposed to uh, the situations the father has to go through. Um, so one of the main f- main points for us for this game is really putting the players into the shoes of these different characters and telling them that in the end pretty much everybody has their own perspective on what's happening and their own way of coping with uh, a situation like that. Yeah, so uh, it's not really that much about the sickness itself, but more on the on uh, how the family uh, has to pull together to get through this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it seems you know obviously you mentioned it, but it seems that the majority of this game really is revolving around that major trauma. It's mm-hmm. it's around that perspectives uh, and how people experience it. But my main question is really, you know, out of, out of all the topics that you could have for a game, why this one, why, like, is this something where you're very passionate about, you know, showcasing this, this type of trauma? Like how did, 
the idea to work on a game like this, which is generally unique from from a lot of others that you would think of, why why this topic? You know, I I think it's important to uh, make games about topics that are not really um, existing in the game space right now. I think we have mm -hmm. um, an opportunity in video games to really uh, let players dive into other worlds and into the lives of other people and uh, take on their role. And um, we can tell stories uh, that are a bit difficult and a bit mature. And that's uh, mm -hmm. one of the big uh, challenges for us as developers to uh, get this right. Um, right. But I think right. that as a genre, as a narrative medium, uh, we really should tackle uh, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that I've had a couple of, of interviews in the past that have been on more of these heavier topics, right? Um, my mind always goes to what you just said, which is you want to get it right. Mm. Because this is something that isn't done quite often. This is something that you want to make sure you're doing your due diligence. You're doing you know a service to those people who yeah. might have been in this type of situation and aren't creating a story that doesn't really fit the way trauma is perceived or, or experienced. Obviously, this is a little bit different because, you know, trauma can be many things. But yeah. what are some of those steps? Are you are you speaking with specific people about this? Is this like a real story that you're pulling from? How how do you make it? Um, you know, how do you how do you get it right? Yeah, that's a, a really big responsibility for us. Um, so the idea was born when uh, something uh, happened uh, in my life uh, a couple of years ago that was a bit like uh, the situation that we're portraying in the game so mm -hmm. a lot of it really comes from my uh, personal experience um, of going through situations like that but then of course we're doing a lot of research um, about um, strokes um, themselves so the medical condition but we're also trying to reach out to people who have gone through um, similar situations, um, not necessarily strokes, but through difficult situations. And that's something where uh, social media can help. Um, yeah, we're talking to people to really get this right. Right. Yeah, has there has that been, um, and this is kind of just a, a random topic, something mm -hmm. that just bumped into my head, but like when you're reaching out to these people, um, you know, what is the, um, I guess, what is the reception of something like this? Are people, you know, generally interested in it do they want to share those feelings because i feel like something like this would be something that people would want to hold on and not really you know relinquish that information what is what is that conversation like are people usually easier to open up or has this been a tough you know struggle to, to actually get that information from them um it's not really a structured conversation that we have. Um, it's okay. really an ongoing thing. So we have um, some people on our Discord server and some people on social media um, who got interested in the game because they heard about it uh, somewhere <laughs> and then uh, reached out to us and then say uh, that this really it's an important topic to tackle and they would uh, like to provide some feedback. Um, so it's not really structured. It's really a loose um, thing that's going on. Um, on the side right but but it's also very interesting like this the stroke is is really just one point of it but right. there are a lot of people um who can really relate to um yeah like taking these different positions um or perspectives and um so when i first met jens and he told me about the game idea 
um, I have not had someone suffer a stroke in my life, but there was a, a similar situation where um, it was hard like to to for for the whole family to get along and mm-hmm. um, yeah where where everyone had had a, a different perspective on on what happened and now that we have a trailer and I've showed that to people that are close to me there are yeah a lot of them say that it really touched them and although <laughs> it's not necessarily a stroke um, or stroke survivor um, that they that they relate to they they somehow feel something they can find themselves in it. And I think that is really one of the goals to just, mm, yeah, to, to, to make it give, relatable. Yeah. To give people the feeling that they, that they are understood. Mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that makes a hundred percent, um, a hundred percent sense. I don't know why I didn't finish my sentence. Uh, let's, let's dive into some of the actual parts of the game now. So, uh, this game is still obviously in works, so didn't have any hands-on time with it, but um, I'm going to rattle a, a few questions down based on things that I saw in the description of the actual page and things that I saw in the trailer. So one of the first things is the main web page for the game mentions that you'll be playing as four main characters, and this is obviously you know because you're getting each person's side of the story, how each of them are perceiving this. How will the transfer between characters work? So I'm thinking more of how timelines work in this game. Is this going to be something where you'll play each character in a continuous timeline? So like you would be seeing one person's perspective and then see the next person's, but at a different point in time? Or is this something where you're going to be playing it and you know day one of the event and you play it out as you know the kid and then you go to the father and you play out that same day. Is it going to repeat itself? Yeah, um, so the structure is it's um, a linear story um, in uh, terms of time. So we mm-hmm. don't really uh, play through scenes uh, again and again, but gotcha. um, we switch the characters during the scenes. So um, at some point we might decide that this uh, situation would be more interesting from another p- person's perspective, and then we mm-hmm. just switch. Uh, um so it's really a scene by scene decision that we make um we have divided the game into chapters and at first uh, we had it uh, so that every chapter was uh from the perspective of one character but now uh, we've broken it up even further so even within the chapters there might be one scene where you play the mother and then another scene where you play the son um so we really decide on a scene by scene basis um who would be the best person uh to um, to be the one uh, in control, um, the player mm-hmm. controls, and maybe also what uh, would give the players the most insight into their um, emotional world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, and then as far as these, uh, you know, these these actual things that you're doing, right? So, what's happening in the actual game itself? Uh, the description of the game states that some of the mechanics in here include exploration, puzzle solving, some vignette games. Can you elaborate a little more on, uh, well, specifically those last pieces as far as what the vignette games will be? And then how much of this game is actually going con- to consist of, say, puzzles versus exploration or dialogue? What's what's like the main focus that you'll have? Uh, I'll start with the last question. <laughs> so okay. the focus will be, I think, more... Um, dialogue and exploration with puzzles mm-hmm. thrown in 
but um, yeah, the story is definitely our focus. And there these vignette com games come in because um, we imagine them um, to be kind of mini games, although that, that sounds a bit silly, but um, <laughs> little games that just show an inside perspective into um, maybe a difficult situation. So, mm -hmm. well, you can't look into the characters' heads, but that's what we try with these vignette games to show what they, mm. what are they feeling and how, how might the situation, yeah, how might they feel it so that um, these vignette games are really there to elaborate on emotional uh, happenings, experiences. So they are one to break up the gameplay. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. We don't want to make like just a walking simulator. <laughs> <laughs> so break up the gameplay, um, throw in a bit of um, fun or something. Yeah, that feels different. So mm -hmm. um, you never play the same vignette game twice, also that. And then B, it's really there to deepen the emotions. Yeah, right. uh, maybe one example <laughs> would be good for these uh, vignette games because uh, that uh, word vignette games uh, is a bit uh, out there. <laughs> um, so, um, in one situation, uh, we uh, switched to um, a mini game that we call the discussion mini games. So when the parents are fighting um, or discussing um, an issue, uh, we don't use the regular dialogue system of the game, but we switch over to a card game which kind of looks a bit like uh, Hearthstone would, but plays completely differently. Um, uh -huh. And it plays on the metaphor that when you um, play an argument, it's like playing a card. People sometimes say, yeah, you don't play that card with me um, when, you, um, when you make an argument. So uh, they're exchanging these arguments in card form, which, which gives us uh, the opportunity to put in mechanics that maybe... Um, put pressure on the player to be fast with playing the cards or um, mm. forcing the players to play cards in a, um, a specific way um, to make uh, to get across that the person is uh, kind of backed into the corner um, in the discussion. Mm. Um, that's yeah. that's interesting. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, this is kind of just a sidebar, but if you've ever seen a game called Signs of the Sojourner, um, no. I would... I would recommend checking it out if not, because it's very similar to what you were just saying about having a conversation and playing mm -hmm. out cards to communicate with people. Um, a lot of these vignette games also remind me of, of things like uh, the way Florence did a lot mm -hmm. of the, the mini games in between of finding a way to communicate much tougher conversations or tougher topics, but yeah. with, you know, very... Uh, not to say basic on on like as a negative thing, but a much more easier to consume way of uh, like with Florence having a, a tough conversation and disconnecting with someone and making puzzle pieces that normally a communication bubble or a number of pieces now become just one or just yeah. two. So I'm definitely interested to see it. I think it'll uh, obviously, you know, with, with exploration games, at least from me personally, and I, I don't want to speak to other people because I know a lot of people love this genre, but these type of games can uh, can run thin if that story isn't constantly in there. And, you know, it's it sometimes needs that hook. So I think things like that will definitely, uh, you know, set the stage or, or cleanse the palette so that it has something continuously throughout. So I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Florence is one of the big uh, influences in our game. I think it's 
it's my favorite game of uh, I think 2018 was the year when it came out. Um, so yeah, that uh, discussion uh, mini game. Uh, we tried at first to uh, go a bit in the direction that Florence does it, but then uh, mm -hmm. we kind of went in a completely different way. Um, okay. But yeah, it's a big, big um, inspiration for us because uh, I remember playing that game. Uh, I was in a train and I was uh, really touched emotionally by that game. Um, so mm -hmm. that's something mm -hmm. that we are trying to emulate uh, through very simple mechanics as Florence does it as well. Right. Yeah, I think it's 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 a great way to do it because, you know, one of the biggest things about video games, especially with like these type of topics or these type of, you know, um, just themes around them, I feel like these are types of games that can apply to a much broader audience than when you yeah. think of uh, the, the term gamer, right? And and I, I don't like that term in, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but I think that a lot of people that are outside of the video game bubble will often not want to jump into games, whether it be yeah. because, you know, there's a, a weird, um, you know, just kind of aura around it <laughs> that keeps people away, if you will. But also just because things like mechanics or things like just not being used to, to playing games can sometimes be a turnoff because it's too hard to get them in. So I think having those much more easier to digest mechanics makes it more accessible to others yeah um so i do i do like that idea and what you just said is, is 100 my experience because i've shown our trailer to um yeah totally different people also people who are not connected to gaming at all and they were really touched by it and um and it came came up to me and were like wow that's not what i thought gaming was because they had like <laughs> shooter games or platformer games in their mind and right. um, not these yeah these emotional pieces that also you can um, yeah you can play in a few sessions and you don't have to you know invest weeks and weeks of, of playing into these um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah and also yeah as I said from from different backgrounds like psychological backgrounds even um, you know this I imagine this might be a game that helps people who have uh, survived something like that or have been yeah. in a situation like this to get through it and um, can be a personal experience for them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and more more, yeah, active, of course, than like watching a film about this topic. So that's what, what gaming really can do. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean it's it's amazing what it what it can do, but there's often a lot of people who just think of it as that, you know, oh, this is just a shooter, like that's what video games are. They're just shoot people kind of a thing. And it's like, no, there's there's a lot of different avenues and there's nothing wrong with those type of games. Like they they have a place obviously and you know, a lot of people find them fun, but like there's so much more out there. So I think it's it's good mm -hmm. that these topics are being discussed. It's good that these themes are are being, you know, uh given to the world and that other people can uh you know from all different walks of life can come in to something like this and be touched by it and say you know what i want to actually play this or experience this because it's something that i might have you know some connection with or it's something that i just i have interest in right like there's a lot of games that i've talked about that i don't personally have um you know like certain uh sicknesses or certain disorders but i find the topics very interesting so i want to play them and i want to know more about them and this is a, a good way for me to to jump into these type of topics when i might not have you know the 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 actual know-how to understand certain 
disorders or certain, mm-hmm. you know, things that people are struggling with. Um, but I, I want to go back quickly to one thing that you mentioned, which was shorter playthroughs or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not having to invest so much time. So on average, about how long will it actually take a player to complete the game? Because I noticed you mentioned on that uh, website of yours that this was designed to last about two play sessions. What exactly does that mean? <laughs> um, so two play sessions, um, I'd say that average is to about three to four hours in total. Um, okay. So it's uh, something that people can play who maybe don't want to start the next Skyrim and put 100 hours into it, but it's a right. short but very concise uh, game. And we are hoping that by limiting the length of the game to a few hours, um, we can really put more work into those hours and uh, make them a bit um, better than it would be when we when we stretch it out um, just to right. make a longer game. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think there's a place for shorter games. <laughs> Um, myself, I'm a bit scared to start all these big RPGs now. I'd, I'm really happy when a game is a bit shorter, but then I can play like more different games and have more different experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I this is something that as I've gotten older, I've mm-hmm. leaned more towards this side of thinking. And I think this is a difference between age of you know having less time but more money to buy the games that you want versus when you're a kid having less money but a lot mm-hmm. of time to play games. Um, and as I, I go into this, uh, you know, getting older and just, you know, playing more games and more, uh, more experiences, I'm finding that a lot of the time I do enjoy smaller experiences just for that, that fact that you said, you know, there's a lot less fluff. I look at these open world RPGs and these, these giant expansive quests where you have so many side quests and so many things to do. And I'm like, that's great. And, you know, there's people who will consume all that and, I, it, you know, it's, it's impressive how much work goes into it and all the people, but like, I look at that and I almost get like scared because I, yeah. I'm so, so just shocked by how much things that I have to do. And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just not even get into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do want to just go a little bit back because, um, what do you, what does it mean, uh, from a, a from two play sessions are you going to get different outcomes or are there different stories to play in this oh okay uh, i see um so it's a story that goes through the total of the maybe three to four hours um mm-hmm. but uh you can just uh, so the two play sessions means you can take a break but you don't have to <laughs> gotcha uh, okay two playthroughs so- but it's two two evenings that it takes to play the game ah I understand now that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I was, cause I was looking at that and I was like, maybe there's like a, you know, part a part B of like different choices or something to that Mm -hmm. nature. Um, but I mean, that is something that we, we, we might've thought about, but then again, Mm -hmm. we'd rather tell one story and tell it well, um, as opposed to trying to, to give it five endings, but then none of them really feel like, yeah, they are. That's supposed. That's how the story is supposed to end. And um, I think one thing that gives us kind of an advantage here is that we are showing different perspectives, anyways. So um, it's not like you have to play one playthrough and there you are the good guy, and then one playthrough as the bad guy to see right. those two perspectives. You will get different perspectives in our game, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the the reason why I brought that up is there's a there's a piece on your website that says something to the nature of uh, let me see where where was it. Um, you're talking about the four characters and there's a question raised and I, I I wasn't sure if this was more of like something to just talk about the story or if it was about a mechanic in the game and it says can they all get through this together or will everything start to fall apart so this is my my where my you know question was raised of yeah. oh is this something where I might have dialogue choices that will impact kind of the 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 story itself and that might not be that there's a different ending but like that different scenarios happen in the game i'm assuming based on this conversation that that's a no and it's more of a straightforward story but i just wanted to dive in a little deeper to that yeah i think it's important to give uh the players choices and um mm-hmm. i think that maya once said the game is a series of interesting choices um so there there are choices in there and they do mm-hmm. have consequences but not in the big plot points so right okay. um they change details and how a situation might feel um but uh the story itself is kind of set in stone more or less um which has two reasons uh, one because we are a small team and simply cannot yeah. uh, create different uh games um but also because it's a story uh that we want to tell as is and uh we want to make the points that we uh want to make with the story um so we really want to um send out that message that we want to send yeah yeah okay well that answers my question i think that does make sense i i think it's you know some teams will try to tackle too much and it can become too expansive of a project so i like the the idea of just sticking to we have a concise story that we want to tell um but let's talk about you know one of my last questions really is what uh what are we looking at as far as a game release so I'm sure you can't give me an exact date, right? The, I, I, I highly doubt this is where you're going to announce the this is the official <laughs> release date. But that being said, uh, can you tell me a little bit about just how development is going? You know, where you think you might be trying to land or where you might feel more confident about mm-hmm. actually letting the world know about a release date? Um, sure. So uh, we've been working on the game for about a year now. Um, so we have a lot of it um, already defined out and we have a lot of the assets already created. Um, and the way that we've financed this uh, production so far was through a uh, government grant that we are very thankful for, um, which runs out uh, pretty much in the summer of next year. Mm. So this is uh, pretty much the release date that we are aiming for, um, unless we find a... Uh, a partner or a publisher or some other um, opportunity to extend uh, the time so we have uh, some more um, some more um, room to really polish the game a little bit more right to, uh, really, um, it maybe extend it a little bit as well just to uh, send the message that we want to send yes yeah, so uh, the current plan is kind of summer next year unless we find an opportunity to uh, extend that a little bit yeah Gotcha. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I'll be looking forward to that. Um, as far as the release goes, uh, do you have any specific platforms or consoles in mind, or is this mostly just going to be part of Steam at the initial release? Um, it's Steam so far. Um, mm-hmm. This would be something that uh, is in the 
in that um, extension period that I talked earlier about. We would love right. to uh, create a port to the switch, and we've already started working on one, but uh, we then discovered this is something we need more time for. Um, so yeah. we kind of stopped working on the switch port, focused on the PC port, and uh, if we have the opportunity to work longer, uh, we will definitely go to switch, but for now it's uh, PC only, just because we discovered it would be too difficult for us. <laughs> technically yeah <laughs> yeah makes sense okay well we'll see hopefully you know uh down the line maybe you find a publisher and and they help you out but if not we would be looking forward to that uh pc version now cool. before we wrap this up though the main question which is general advice so um for those here in the indie space or those looking to get into the indie space uh i always like to ask just general advice for things that you've learned along the way or things that you think have really benefited you in this process is there any of that information that either of you could instill on some of the listeners today um so yeah i mean f for me or the the advice that i can give is um just if you're enthusiastic about games there is a place for you in the industry so don't be thrown off by things you think you need to know or things you need to I need you. I mean, you don't need to be able to program, as I said earlier. And then mm -hmm. just try to, yeah, find maybe something locally where you can connect to people. So for me, it was, um, yeah, as I said, the game development course that we had here locally, or a meetup, or maybe a game jam where you find other game enthusiasts, or working at a at a convention. I think that's always a great tip to work there as a as a volunteer, and you will meet people that are in the industry, and. Um, yeah, that's just my advice to to not give up and to not talk yourself down because there is definitely a spot here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, I'd also say just just whatever you want to do, just uh, do it. Just uh, start it. Um, I, I meet a lot of uh, people who ask me, how do I get into this uh, game space? How do I become a game developer? And um, the best advice I can give them is to just start working on some game. Uh, pick a a discipline and then just do it uh, maybe go to a game jam go to a local meetup talk to people um, mm -hmm. but I think the most uh, most valuable thing somebody can have if they want to um, get into games is uh, a track record of some projects that they have worked on just smaller games maybe just game jam games but uh, a way to show that you you can uh, do something and it's also a great way to learn stuff yeah. so just just do it <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how many people uh since i've started doing this how many people actually bring that up as a point and usually it's one of those things where they say it and they, they kind of are like i know it sounds obvious <laughs> but you just need to actually go out and do something and that's one of the hardest parts about this right is is getting over that first hurdle i think this yeah. is with anything in life is a lot of the times when you look at something and you look at this big crazy project and you're like this is going to be a lot of work. This, I mean, this is exactly like my my fear of these larger RPGs, right? Is like there's a lot ahead of you, and it's tough because you just need to make that first step, and then after that, you can take it one step at a time, right? It's all about baby steps. It's all about going from one point A to point Z, but in between there is point B, C, D, E, whatever. Mm -hmm. And until you get to that first step, you're never going to continue through. So I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, um, 
a lot of weight behind that sentiment. And I think yeah. it also makes sense uh, that, like you said, to not be afraid of of where you stand as far as your skill set. Because one, you could always learn these things. But two, there's a lot of you know value that you probably already bring that might not be specifically about developing a game, but there's other aspects of how does a game go to market and how does it actually get into mm -hmm. someone's hands. Um, so there's a lot out there. I, I do want to thank you for those listening though. The cost of recovery is currently in development, but if you are interested, you heard this and you want to check it out, go and um, look up their Steam page. What we will do is we'll actually link this in the comments. Um, check out their Steam page, go check out the trailer, check out some cool devlogs that they have about you know working on this game and, and what it's been like to create it. And if any of it sounded interesting, once again, be sure to wishlist their game on Steam because it, it helps the creators with discoverability. And whenever it does come out, you'll be notified, and you'll be able to get it uh, at that point. So once again, thank you uh, to both of you so much for joining today. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for having us. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.